Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And today while out for a, a run, one listener finds good reason to run a little faster. When all else fails and you cannot find something that has been misplaced, one listener suggests using a ghost communication app. A man with a dream of owning a museum of titanic relics finds some of the items may come with more than just a story. And a family believes the spirit that haunts their home is that of a protective female. But could there be more than one entity in the home that has a fondness for mom? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi. And uh, how are you doing this fine day? I'm good. How are you? I'm always up for a good Titanic story. Yes, and I will say this. It's similar to one we've had recently, but it's not the same one. So, okay. So those diehard listeners that think, oh, well, we've already heard this. No. This is new. It's new. It's interesting where you kind of get, you get like, we get themes. They, they kind of come and they go and they, they occur naturally. So uh, I, I'm, I'm just wondering, how does one go about deciding... I'm going to open a Titanic museum because you you just can't just jump on eBay and look for (laughs) Titanic relics. Believe me, I've tried. Well, I think all it takes is money. And this person, I believe, probably had a pretty penny to spend on these items. I suppose if you go to collectors and curators, there's ways of getting pieces. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing. But uh, I've always wanted to try and find something from the Titanic then it's very difficult if not impossible to do like on eBay there's like lumps of coal and stuff you can find and I mean and it comes with a certificate of authenticity take that for what it's worth I mean right. anybody in their basement could go hey here's a bunch of coal I'm gonna put it in these little uh, you know silk bags and uh, print these certificates off of authenticity and start selling them on eBay at 50 bucks a pop there's ways of doing things like that not a non honest way. Well, we had uh, something that you and I watched about a lady that bought a piece of coal at yeah. one of the museums, and she ended up having some hauntings that coincided with the time she brought that home. Is that something we watched, or is that one of our stories on the show? Well, I want to say it was a story we had. I think it may have been a story that led us to something okay. that we watched because I remember watching something. Yeah, it's interesting. I. Uh, the closest I've gotten, I do have a couple items from the Olympic, which was Titanic sister ship. Yes. I have a floor tile, which is it's in its exact same type you see. We're on Titanic. Um, and then uh, I also have a, a menu 
from uh, from lunch of like 1917 or something but and well, you've it, had these for years yeah really interesting pieces and i've i've always it's been a fascination since childhood so it was like the closest i'm gonna come it's my two little things i've collected over the years <laughs> so um that's about it but uh interesting interesting stuff i'm excited to uh to hear those stories um, our phone number is 855-853-4802. Oh, if, you, if you're into conspiracy stuff, and, and you may not be aware of this one, this is kind of a far-fetched one a little bit, but there's an interesting documentary out, and you can probably find it on YouTube, about Titanic and Olympic. And there is a conspiracy theory that the ship Titanic that sunk was actually the Olympic, and it was this elaborate insurance fraud scheme. Yeah, there's a lot that needs to line up for this to be perfect, but there's enough little interesting pieces of evidence there that make you kind of question it and kind of make you go, okay, maybe there is more to this. It's one of those things that's so far buried in history. It's like, how do you ever really know for sure? Well, and even people that are big into it, like you and I, you know, we've studied this our whole lives. Yeah, it really it's not something that we could call BS on. No. Because it really made you think. And it's like, wow, it's hard to argue that one. <laughs> There's some convincing parts to that. Yeah. Very, very convincing. I mean, anyway, YouTube it and you'll find it if you're into the, that stuff. Um, I won't bore you any longer by talking about Titanic as I did with all of my first and second grade classes. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, when I was in first and second grade, I would just sit there and talk about Titanic for hours. I was obsessed. I mean, that's just my personality. I when I was completely oblivious to the fact that other people could care. Oh, less. you and I would have been best friends early on. <laughs> oh, yeah. They would have thought there was something seriously wrong with us. Mm-hmm. More so than just being alone seriously wrong with us individually. There's those two, what, what, I don't know what they're doing, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, the phone number is 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can also write them through the website, uh, which, incidentally, is realghoststoriesonline.com. Go figure. So, uh, yeah, let us know your Real Ghost Stories as we would love to hear them. Let's kick it off today with Ryan. Ryan writes in, hello again, Tony and Jenny. Just heard you read my story about the figure I saw before my uncle smashed my granddad's house up with an axe. I also have a fair amount of other stories that I'll submit over time. Since my last story took place at my granddad's house, I'll start from there. When you were reviewing my last story, Jenny had the idea that something evil might have played on my uncle's emotions. Although there have been many experiences in that house, I don't think there was ever anything evil there. Which might might be a strange thing to say after you hear some of these other stories, but I never felt any evil in all the 20 years of visiting. When my mom and two uncles were growing up in that house, there had been loads of strange happenings which have been told to me time and time again. Firstly, my oldest uncle, the one with the axe obsession, call him Axel, was growing up. He told me the first thing he saw was a girl walking across the banister. I don't know what Americans call it, but it's the barrier to stop you falling down the stairs. Banister. Yeah, we yeah. call that banister, nope. too. She was, uh, we actually call it the uh, the death to fire, is what we call it here no. in America, because it, it prevents you from falling. <laughs> she was walking across it like you would on a banister, trying to keep her balance, but she fell off towards the stairs and vanished. He also had a reoccurring experience of a shadowy man standing at the top of the stairs, staring at him. Looking back on it now, I believe it was this man I experienced in my last story, as my uncle would describe him as very tall and big-built, 
Last time Axel saw this man, he was in bed one night listening to music when he felt someone sit on his bed. And when he looked up, it was the man. But this time, he had red eyes. And Axel screamed out from my nan and hid under the covers. While my nan came in, the man was gone. If I manage to remember any more stories from Axel's childhood, I'll add it into another story. But I'll tell my mum's story from that house and then finish there as you'll probably need a few episodes to get through all my stories. So when my mom was little, she'd have late night visitors. She'd call the little people and describe them as little gnomes. She'd get out of bed and play with them until eventually they started being nasty. They began pinching her and pushing her around. She told my grandparents about this, but I can't remember what my mom said their response was. They moved my Uncle Axel into that room for a night without telling him why. And that night, my uncle woke up screaming when my granddad ran in there. He had legs back then. He couldn't see anything, even though this little person was sat up on a cabinet staring at my granddad. I can't remember what happened next, but in the end, my mom was woken up one night with what she would describe as the mother of the gnomes sat on uh, her up uh, with its face pushed up against my mom's, looking very angry. When my mom screamed, it jumped off her and vanished, and that was the last time she saw any of the little people. Sorry this is a lot longer than my last one, but I didn't think you'd have uh, read my last story, which is why I just told a short one. I'll be writing in with more of my many stories another time. Thank you for the show. It really is entertaining, and I plan on becoming an EPP in the near future. Have a nice day. The Mother of the Gnomes. Mother of the Gnomes. That's scary. Either that or you have Smurfs in your house there. There's a lot going on in that house. And I know he said he didn't feel anything evil, but there's a lot going on in that house. I don't know how I feel about the uh, the little gnome creatures that we hear about every now and then that, that are paranormal in, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know that they're necessarily positive. No. Do you think there could be something like... I know sometimes when we've had listeners that have seen small beings like that, we kind of suspected maybe carbon monoxide mm-hmm. just because of a, like a hallucination type sure. effect. Do you think maybe that could be something going on here? I could see that being a possibility because it, 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 it's just, it's odd. I'd say carbon monoxide or I would say it was something probably, even though he disagrees with me, not so good. Yeah. That's, you know, kind of trying to lure, or at the time, the little girl into interacting and God knows what else. Right. So, I don't know. I, you know, when we talk about these things, I wonder how many of, you know, the fairy tales that exist out there, uh, you know, like involving gnomes and such. Sure. I mean, and that goes, that's beyond a fairy tale. That's, you know, folklore, mm-hmm. you know, from various parts of the world. How much of that originates with a paranormal experience? You know, or was it just thought up by someone as a creative idea one day? Or was it actually like, no, I had this happen to me and I'm going to write a, you know, a children's cautionary tale about it. You know, I wonder, I mean, it'd probably be impossible at this point to really be sure how you could trace that back. You could probably trace it back to where it first occurred in literature and who wrote it. But it'd be interesting if it was all possible to get the backstory on where some of those ideas originate from well sure but i have to wonder i mean some of these stories there's different cultures 
around the world that have similar type sure. things that go on. So it's not like it just started in one place and then spread from there. Sure. That there's like, something that's been going on throughout the world. Sure, like variations on the story. Yeah. That that all, you know, have a similar type story to it, but all a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder how many of it is or how much of it does actually originate with a paranormal experience. I would imagine quite a bit probably does. Yeah. Yeah, Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Selena writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. My name is Selena, and I'm from Chicago. Love your show. The production quality is so good, and the stories are interesting. I've just recently become an EPP, and I'm enjoying the extra podcasts. I guess I can be considered a sensitive, although I have never heard that term prior to listening to your show. I've had a lot of experiences throughout my life, and I'd like to share some of those. My family moved from an apartment to an old house when I was seven. I'm the youngest of four kids. I had a good relationship with my brother and sister, despite being quite a bit younger. When we moved in, my oldest brother and I could hear footsteps in the attic at night. They were slow and deliberate, not like the scampering of squirrels caught up there. We told my mom, and of course she blamed the squirrels. We knew it wasn't our dad because he'd be sleeping, and we'd know if anyone went up there because we had to use an extension ladder to get there. It was not easy access. Additionally, the floor in the attic was so worn that when up there, you had to walk on certain beams or you'd fall right through. When I was eight, I saw my first shadow person. It was a hot summer night and I could not sleep. We didn't have air conditioning yet. My room was directly across the hall from the bathroom and I decided to grab a wet washcloth to try and cool down. As I came out of my room, I was looking towards the living room to see if anyone else was up. I stopped dead in my tracks. A tall, broad-shouldered figure was coming from the foyer and crossing across the windows. It stopped midway, and I could feel it looking at me. I went cold and wanted to scream and run, but I could not move. The figure then continued to walk through the living room and into the wall. I was finally able to move again and ran into the bathroom, where I stayed for an hour. Feeling brave, I ran back to my room and pulled my covers over me, even though it was hot. After some time, I was able to fall back to sleep from pure exhaustion. The next day, I told my mom, and she completely dismissed it as my brain playing tricks on me, or maybe light from cars driving down the streets. I never told my siblings about it, since my mom made me feel crazy enough. What happened a few years ago made me realize I was not crazy. After my parents moved out of the house, my sister moved in and rented from them. She has three daughters. One year, the whole family was at my parents' new home for Christmas, and I was talking with my brothers, sisters, and my nieces. We were talking about ghosts, and I finally told my story about the shadow figure, among others. My sister and middle niece both had looks of shock on their faces. I asked what was wrong. My niece said she saw the exact same thing in almost the exact same circumstances. It was the middle of the night, and she couldn't sleep. She was up doing homework and walked out of her bedroom, which was my old room, to go to the bathroom. She saw the figure and froze, and she said she felt it look at her as well. I said that maybe it was a residual haunting, then since we saw it in the same spot and it did the same thing. But then my sister shared her story. She had a friend who had been having issues with her knee and needed some extra help, so my sister invited the friend to stay with her. They were watching TV in the master bedroom when the shadow figure came through the door leading to the back porch and walked through the room into the kitchen. My sister and her friend just looked at each other. She got up and looked in the kitchen and it was gone. 
but she described it just as I remembered it. Tall and broad-shouldered and blacker than black. Well, that's just a couple of stories. I have a lot more, including a terrifying one that involved my now husband and what I am convinced is a dark entity. I'll share that one soon. Have a great day, and thanks for giving us an outlet to share our experiences without fear of being called crazy. Take care, Selena. Well, I think Selena's just crazy. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. That's mean. No, not at all. I mean, that very interesting stories there. Yeah, and I don't know why, but it always makes you feel better to know that you weren't the only one that saw something. Yeah. I think just the validation of knowing that even if it was... You know, in a different situation where in this case, it was the exact same time and the exact mm-hmm. same figure. Just to know that you can talk about it, I think, yeah. makes you just feel better. And the fact that, it, you know, it, it's it, it's there. I mean, you can va- validate that you had the experience. Mm-hmm. Now, to try and figure out what it was, that's a whole other ball game. But you're certainly not crazy. No. So, very interesting story, Selena. Thanks for uh, for writing in. And we'd love to hear your other story uh, as well. So feel free to uh, to write that in. Whatever platform it is you listen to, we sign. Be sure to press the subscribe button. That helps us uh, grow in the rankings. And it ensures that you get the latest episode sent to you right away. And if you are a, a new listener to us on the Dark Matter Radio Network, welcome. This is a little ghost show that we do every single day, Monday through Friday. So if you like ghost stories, same time, same place. Every day right here is where you will hear it. And if you want to check out our archive shows, you can do all that on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Or like I said, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever it may be. So, uh, yeah, that's how it all works. Let's go to another letter. This uh, one says, hey, Tony and Jenny, it's A again from the Life Amongst the Dead. Do you remember A? Uh, Refresh me. A is the one who sometimes goes days and days and days without sleep and oh. feels more comfortable at the cemetery and is just really she was the reason we named it life amongst the dead okay i remember that now mm-hmm. yep i have a very poor memory that's why I, you keep me around needs to be jogged every now and then just wait 30 years from now it'll be even more fun it's nice you don't ever remember when i do something wrong so that works i just forget yep there you go Forgive and forget. For me, it's just like, forget and forget. (laughs) That's all it is. Thanks for reading my story and your opinion of it. It uh, meant a lot to me, so thanks. Anyways, I said I'd write in more stories since I have a lot too much that I don't know how to start or pick. And some I've forgotten and just let them go in time, I suppose. The thing about the cemeteries, apart from knowing their locations, even when I've never been in that city, I'll just automatically be safe there and feel welcomed. I don't know why, but I feel stronger around them than with living people. It's a safe haven, I guess. I basically lead two lives, one in front of my friends and some family, and this other part of me. I can't go just out anywhere and lead a normal life like any girl my age due to everything that follows me, what I can absorb, etc. Nothing can touch me or else there's a 95% chance I'll absorb something of that person or place. I'll be standing there physically, but mentally I'm really not. I can look at tombstones or touch them and I'll get these mental images or moving images of that person's life and cause of death. Sometimes it's painful emotionally and even physical on some occasions. 
I just know things and don't like it because there are some things people like to keep to themselves. Who they really are deep down and secret and all, and I feel as an intruder. Anyways, this happened probably around three to four years ago. I went for a jog around my neighborhood in the cemetery I frequent wasn't that far, so I went running around there when I started feeling dread and watched with such a force, and since I always feel watched, it wasn't uncommon, but this kind of watched feeling felt more threatening and heavy. I stopped running, thinking maybe I hit my cardio session too much, but when I took my headphones out and looked back, I saw some sort of dark body of a shadowy area across the street. It was already late, so I felt bad for not getting home on time. I was sure enough, a scold I'd get from my mom. It's a busy street, but there were no cars passing by at the moment. I knew this thing was coming for me. It always has. I started to run again, and I just knew this thing was chasing me. I could feel and hear it. I tried to avoid dark spaces, but that was hard. No one was around, and I was thinking how ironic that I felt like those people in horror movies. I was a good ten-minute run from my house. Either way, I took the opposite direction of my house and ran to the cemetery. I climbed the fence just threw myself inside without caring if I hurt myself in the process. The moment I landed inside, that thing couldn't come in. The only thing that separated us was a chain-link fence, so we were basically face-to-face, just like four feet away from each other. It huffed, and it sounded like a mix of horse and bull, and its feet were visible and hairy. Honestly, I was dumbfounded at the moment, and just sat there on the ground staring at it, paced back and forth and trying to get in. I was even telling myself that I was dreaming. This just can't be real. I don't even know how to put it in detail. I prayed a rosary out loud as best I could and left, but it left mad, and I knew it would come back. It eventually did and still does to this day. We've tried everything to get rid of this demon, and it just doesn't go away. It's something that I feel I'm going to have to face when I'm more mature, and it's between it and me. Sorry if I rambled, I'm not a good storyteller and it can get hard to put into words. Okay, thanks, and by the photos of Lucian and the Hawks. If you'd like, I can write in again. Okay, thanks, you guys. are the best. P.S. You can call me Lucian. I'm a girl, but I really like that name, as you could see. I just don't want to give my name yet. So, what was it that was following her? It was some kind of evil entity but it almost sounded like it had hooves I think uh, it was the cow from the skinny cow boxes of ice cream no I, I think it was some it was dark I mean you hear that a lot with very dark figures well, or, sure. or evil hooves are a common thing I mean, people see tracks of these things I don't know what but some sort of demon yeah. And obviously she's attracted to these things. What I find really interesting, or they're attracted to her, um, what I find really interesting is that, like, the cemetery is the safe spot. Right. I wonder why that is. It sounds like something out of a video game, you know, or a movie. But it's not. No, it's not. But that's what, I mean, that's what comes to mind. Is sure. like, you know, uh, I don't remember. I mean, like, there was one I used to play that was kind of creepy. I don't remember. It was like Castlevania or something. And I, it's like, the cemeteries were kind of like peaceful and, you know, it's an interesting concept. And I wonder if that's um, true in to anyone else, if, if they if they're troubled by demons or spirits of some sort, if they can find more peace in 
a cemetery. I always thought cemeteries would be like one of the least haunted places. Really? Just because you don't spend, people don't tend to spend a lot of time there alive. You know? Right. There's a lot of emotion expelled there, but I mean, unless you're like us, who like to wander around cemeteries, and it's not a whole lot of that, um, it's a, a plot of land, for the most part, that a body goes to, but... You know, there wasn't a whole lot of energy expelled by those bodies on that piece of land at the time. That's true, but I think there's still quite a bit of haunting that goes on in cemeteries by the people buried there. Because you have stories all the time of people visiting. Sure. And they'll have random people come up and talk to them and then vanish. You do. It's interesting because you do have, you have that. You certainly, without a doubt, we have stories like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I've also heard the exact opposite, too, from, from ghost hunters who are like, cemeteries seem to be the least haunted of places. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, everyone kind of has a slightly different take on it. I don't know what to say. I just think anything is fair game for haunting at this point. Sure. I don't think there's like any one place that's like not likely to be haunted. Just because it, there doesn't seem to be any bounds to this at no. all. No. You know, maybe under the ocean. I don't know. Although, yeah, there's plenty of death that's occurred there, too. Missing planes, missing ships. You know, do you, are you, do you haunt the, the vessel that you went down in on the bottom of the sea? Or do you get to go someplace else? I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if there's ever been uh, a documented haunting case of, like, an undersea explorer... Either a scuba diver or someone going down in a submarine or something of that nature, seeing something paranormal happen on a a vessel of some sort. Mermaids excluded. Yeah, I'm not saying like yeah, sea creatures. I'm right. saying literally apparitions at the bottom of the ocean. I would think, and this may be totally wrong. I would think it could go either way. Either the water helps being a conduit. Or it makes it very, very hard to manifest. Yeah. Well, and here's another thought. If it if it does help, mm-hmm. okay, would it then be easier to manipulate larger objects underwater because of the weightlessness? I think that would probably be the case no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, just saying, like, if it's above ground, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be able to pick up this desk and well, I've seen it unless it's like some sort of evil thing that's, you know, sure. you know, really doing it. But for like a human ghost is what I'm saying. If you're underwater and you have a large object, much lighter. I wonder if it's more manipulatable, if you will. Is it a word? Nah, I'm not sure that that's a word. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. I wonder if anyone knows anything about underwater paranormal Investigations. That would be interesting to find out about. That's going to be a new series. Watch. That's a reality series that has not yet been made. Underwater Paranormal Investigations. It's going to happen now. Okay. There you go. You heard it here first. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Kate writes in. Hi, my name's Kate. My story is about a very active home I lived in as a child in the community of Marlboro in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We moved to this home when I just finished kindergarten, so I must have been about six or seven years old. I lived there with my parents, three older sisters, and our dog. One specific event that stuck with me was one night my older sister and I were going to bed. when We were uh, were the two youngest and shared a room. Directly in front of our bunk bed 
was our closet, which had aluminum bifold doors. The door on the right side was jammed and never completely closed. Anyway, we had the radio on when suddenly it started making a sound as if someone was changing the dial. You know, the static noise between channels. You know, the younger folks probably won't even know that sound. Yeah, because the older radios, you have to turn the dial. And the newer ones, you press the button. It's like the beginning of the song Fastball, or the way from Fastball. It has that sound in there. Mm-hmm. And there's that, that 0.02 seconds of jewel. And everybody went, Is that jewel? It's jewel. I think so. To notice, bam. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know why I know Nobody's going to know that song from 20 years ago. Oh, either. yes, they will. Someone will... I remember that. Uh, Well, then a loud banging noise started coming from the closet. The closet door was violently shaking from whatever force was hitting it until finally it slammed shut. My sister was the first one out. I was frozen in fear with the covers over my head until she came back for me. Whatever it was, it petrified my dog. Instead of barking and growling at the unseen, which he would often do, he was under the bed yelping and cowering, as far away from the closet as he could get. We lived in this home for many years, and we all had many experiences, excluding my dad. Birds flying into windows was a regular occurrence. Not sure if this is something connected to the paranormal, but it was strange. I've never experienced anything like that before or since, especially the amount of times it happened. Lights would flicker. Faucets would turn on by themselves. We'd hear phantom whistles and footsteps. We'd also hear knocking at the windows with nobody outside when we checked. Some of us would sometimes hear movement in the bedroom closets, and my mother heard someone whispering her name. Some family members saw a shadow walk past the doorway by the room in the basement, and full-body apparitions were seen down there, too. The atmosphere in the house was very heavy and depressing. I was almost always scared and would dread having to come home after school. If I was the first one home, I'd sometimes wait outside until someone else came. My family and I had other separate experiences, and I'll write in again if you'd like. Thank you. Okay, the bird thing, when they fly into windows, that freaks me out every time. Happens a lot. I know, but like after, right after I started doing the show with you a couple of times, we had like two instances where a bird flew into our big window. And I was like, okay, I I don't know that this is right for me to do this. Because I was starting to think it had something to do. Like, it was a sign. You were going to base your decision into... On the birds that on flew birds, into the windows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. <laughs> it stopped, it seems. The birds did, yes. I know. I, I do remember that. It freaked me out. I was thinking we were going to start seeing all kinds of weird, <laughs> borderline paranormal things. <laughs> Zombie coyotes walking around in the field out back. They're not zombies, but they are huge. Yeah, they're like the size of wolves. They are. They are creepy when they start howling. And then all the neighborhood dogs get in on it. And it's kind of like a creepy Disney movie. (laughs) Because all the animals are singing together. Yeah. It's great fun. Uh, That was, I I do remember, that was interesting. But, yeah, there you go. It happens. It was just birds. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to Jill. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Jill from Indiana. I was calling in with a second story of my uh, guardian spirit or my invisible friend. I had called previously about uh, the time that he had physically climbed into bed next to me to comfort me. 
Anyway, so this is a story involving my friend. And uh, this goes back to when I was in college. And what had happened was I had an argument with my current boyfriend. And, of course, as you do, I was desperately wanting to talk to my best friend. And it was a Saturday night. She went to a different college than me in a different town. So we had already, uh, we had limits on how much we could spend per month in long-distance calling because we tended to really ring up that phone bill. So I had already used up all my minutes. I needed her to call me. It was a Saturday night. It was a party night. And I knew this wasn't going to happen. There's no way she's going to call me. So uh, I reached out to my guardian spirit, and I said, uh, I need to talk to my best friend, Lisa. She's you know, at this college, party weekend. Can you get her the message to call me? And he said, I'll try. And of course, at this point, I still don't know if this is a real thing or if this is in my head. I, I'm giving it any, any shot I can get. And so a few minutes later, my uh, imaginary friend and my guardian spirit says, she can't call you, but you can call her. And I said, I can't call her. It's Saturday night. She's out partying. There's no way I'm going to be able to reach her. There's no way she's back at her dorm because she invited me to the party. And he says, just try. So I call, and it rings and rings and rings and rings. Finally, she answers. And it is a loud noise, lots of loud music, a lot of people, and she, she, she has the phone, and I say, Lisa. And she goes, yeah, this is Lisa. And I said, Jill. And she goes, oh, my God, it's Jill. And she holds the phone up and says, hey, everybody, it's Jill. And what sounds like a 100 people start screaming, Jill, come down, come down and party with us, because I have done that before there. I would tra travel to her college and hang out with her friends and vice versa. And so she gets back on the phone and I say, how did you fit all those people in your dorm? Because she didn't live in a sorority house. She lived in a dorm in a tiny little nine-by-nine nine room. Even if you packed all these people in the hallway, there's no way that you know I would be able to hear them all on the phone. And she says, what? What are you talking about? I said, how did you get all those people in your dorm? And she said, I'm not at my dorm. I'm at whatever fraternity, uh, Phi Beta Kappa or whatever it was. I'm at Phi Beta Kappa house at the big party. Remember, I invited you. And I said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're at a fraternity house? And she said, yeah, come on down. I said, no, you can't be at a fraternity house. I called you. I called your dorm room. And you answered. And she said, well, the phone was ringing, so I picked it up, but I'm at this fraternity house. And she was, you know, she had been drinking. She, she was like, whoa, that's so crazy. And I said, well, the phone number's probably just off by one number, and I misdialed or whatever. I said, what's the phone number there? And she had to grab some guy and ask, and the phone number was completely different from her phone number, not even close. And then she said, wait, you called me. And I said, yes, I called you. I definitely needed to talk to you. How did I get you? Uh, you're at a different house with uh, hundreds of people. 
and you happen to be the one to answer the phone. That's insane. And she got real quiet, and she said, Jill, sometimes you really freak me out with this stuff. I can't deal with this right now. Call me later and stop doing all this crazy stuff. <laughs> I just called you. I didn't do anything crazy. I didn't do anything. And she was like, I love you. I got to go. And she hung up. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was I was trying to call her about. I was so freaked out about it. But that was another instance of my guardian spirit uh, intervening on my behalf and trying to help out. So... Thanks for listening, and I'll try to call back in if I think of any more uh, instances. Thanks. Bye. How bizarre that that stroke of, you know, accidental call, though she didn't dial their number, but somehow the line went over there. Yeah, and I'm sure this was before you could really have your number forwarded mm-hmm. to different places, not that she would have had her phone number forwarded no. to a frat house. Sure. Not a good idea, but yeah, that I can't even think about what the chances are of that happening. Well, you think there's a reason for it happening? I think she needed to, I think maybe it was to further get Jill to trust her guide. Okay. Like, just call her and I'll make sure the rest happens. Uh-huh. And it did. Yeah. Very interesting. That's mm-hmm. that's a yeah, one of those unexplained. There wasn't ex- exactly a ghost involved that was you know visible or interacting, but well, I guess interacting somehow. Sure. But uh, that's a new one. Yeah. I haven't heard of one like that before. That was a unique story. Uh huh. Very good. Thank you for uh, for calling in and sharing that with us. Gary writes in. Hi, I've just recently discovered your podcast, and I must begin by telling you what an awesome job you guys are doing. Keep up the great work. I live in Scotland, so it's not possible for me to make the call, but thought you may be interested in this. On one of your previous shows, you talked about the Ghost Radar app and wanted to know if anyone had ever had any accuracy with it. I remember downloading the app a few years ago to try out during one of my paranormal investigations with the group I used to be involved with. I never had anything relevant come out of the app. Side note, if you can provide me with an email address to forward, I have a photograph that I took while taking exterior shots of a supposedly haunted hotel, which I believe to be a full-bodied apparition of one of the spirits that are said to haunt the location. I'd be happy to forward it on to you to take a look. We'll do that. Uh, our email is, uh, you send it to me, uh, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. Continuing on. Anyway, I changed phones and never restored the app and forgot all about it until you brought it up on your show. Today, I've been studying and have an essay I am due to submit this week on ancient Rome. As I went to leave my flat, you guys say apartment, I realized I didn't have my university student card, which I need to gain access to the library. Spent the whole day trying to find it and couldn't put my hands on it, so as a last desperate attempt... I decided to ask for spiritual help that may be around. It sounds pathetic, I know, but yeah, this is easy. There, this is uh, the essay. The essay is that important. I decided to fire up the Ghost Radar app, having re-downloaded it after listening to your show, and I have to say, I was slightly taken aback by the words it was generating. As I continued to look for the missing ID card, I was going through drawers, etc., and picked up a necktie. As soon as I did, the word tie flashed up on the ghost radar screen. Thinking it was a coincidence, I continued my search through a pile of laundry. 
And the next thing, the screen displayed the word soft. By this point, I was a little freaked out. So I asked out loud how they knew about the tie, and the response I got was atmosphere. I sat on the edge of the bed and asked if there was something I needed to know. Uh, This time, the word Rome appeared on my screen. I got chills. My final question was to ask how many spirits were with me. I continued to stare at the screen for around five minutes before the final word appeared, which read four. Now, I'm not sure of the exact science behind these apps, and I still remain highly skeptical of them as anything which will offer you in-app purchases is highly unlikely to be able to communicate with the spirit with the spirit world. Then again, I could be wrong. I'll let you decide. Anyway, I need to try to get to sleep now. It's 3.20 a.m. here, and I have to get up for work soon. Love the show. Keep it up. I'll get in touch with some more of my experiences from my paranormal investigating days when I can. Have you ever had anything come up on Ghost Radar that you thought kind of made sense? Um... No, okay. honestly, no. I've, I've, I don't. I think I've deleted it off my phone by now. But um, when I was playing around with it, it was just kind of interesting. You know, it would say words and stuff, but it was never really pertinent to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it works because the question was, how do these things work? I mean, it works just because it's a electromagnetic device. You know, the same as any other um, device. If you made a device specifically programmed for that would function the same really as your cell phone except your cell phone has the you know the beauty of changing the app and the functionality of it so i really believe that an iphone app or android app or whatever has just as much functionality as almost any other device out there yeah i mean of course you could probably if you were to build an uh, a device strictly for trying to get ghosts to communicate with you i'm sure you could probably amp up the antenna on it a little bit or uh the power so it could attract more if you will a stronger magnetic pull mm-hmm. than a, a phone or something but i think it, it certainly could work sure just as as anything else i mean if a planchette and a piece of cardboard can work uh, certainly, I think the, uh, the the technology on a cell phone could also be used for the same sort of uh, actions. Makes sense. Yeah. So, very interesting story. I wonder if anyone else has had any other success with any of the apps out there. There's way more than that out there now. Oh, really? There's there's a lot of, of apps uh, about the topic. So mm-hmm. if anyone has any interesting stories about those apps, we'd love to hear them. Of course, you can write in on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com or call it in at uh, 855-853-4802. That is a toll-free number. Wes writes in, greetings, Tony and Jenny. I've uh, called a few times in the past, but I thought this story could be better articulated through wi- through written word. Not if I'm reading it, Wes. <laughs> I've been listening to your older shows and found it awesome that both of you shared a childhood love of the Titanic, which I did too. I was in second grade when I discovered my love for the great ship. So imagine my joy when my mom told me that there was a Titanic museum in Sydney, Ohio. It was only about an hour and a half from our house. The man who owned and ran the museum was a fantastic man, an artist named John. He had many of the original items from White Star Line, including the original blueprints for the ship. I could spend an article talking about all the models and neat things he had there. Sadly, 
John got cancer and decided to part with his collection of White Star Line. Many of the things are now on the traveling exhibits. He did, however, give me the road sign to his museum, which I still have at my parents' house. I thought it'd be neat after hearing of how much the both of you loved the Titanic to reach out to John, who my mother still kept in touch with. She's uh, that kind of person and ask him if he knew any ghost stories related to any objects or anything that happened at the museum. Imagine my excitement at this story. John used to play era music on the sound system in the museum. He said it took him a while to catch on, but after a particular song would always finish playing, he said he would hear what he described as the sound of footsteps dancing and fading away. This wouldn't happen every day, but he noticed on days that he would have our member meetings that the dancing would seem to go on longer and longer. This, he said, he knew uh, this had to be attached to some object or objects in the museum because once the items had left, this didn't happen anymore. The real sadness here was the dream that died with John. He had 20 to 30 buildings he had built behind his museum and wanted to have a period-themed town. I just want to brag real quick that I was in Southampton, got to stand on the same steps people used to board the Titanic. I'm an EPP and love my bonus episodes. I'd encourage anyone who likes this show to join and donate. I listen daily, so how could I not support? I really hope you both enjoyed this little story about the Titanic and maybe learn that there was once a museum in Ohio that was a dream of a man who, like the both of us, loved the Titanic. Thanks. Wes in Bowling Green. Okay, so it was just after one particular song. Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of creepy. That's interesting. I've heard of that, of using um, music or something of the period to try and attract Mm -hmm. ghosts, if you will. Whether that be uh, dressing in period attire um, or or, or making up a room to be with period-esque pieces and such to try and and Uh bring out the entities. I don't know the success rate on that, but it seems to make sense. It does. It does. Or you could, depending on what you're using, if you are using actual period pieces, not just lookalikes, you could bring some more ghosts into it, too, if something's attached to the items. Yeah, because I was thinking about, not that this is the same period, but I was thinking about, like, here in Wichita, we have Cowtown, Mm -hmm. which is a collection of mid-1800s buildings. Yeah. And it's one of the more haunted areas of town, and... I can't help but wonder, is it just things attached to the buildings or other things that came there? Because it's like, hey, this is familiar. Yeah. This is where I should be. Probably a mix. Mm-hmm. You know? I think it, it, it makes sense, too, especially with, like, older hotels of a certain period, that they they tend to have more hauntings if the decor has never been updated, and they try to keep that old, like the Grand Hotel uh-huh. uh, on Mackinac Island. Um, very much never updated. They didn't like decide, oh, we're going to make this a boutique spa hotel. <laughs> you know? Right. They kept it of the period that it was built in. And I think that helps to, you know, keep those entities there or attract them. I don't know. Literally somewhere in time. Exactly. Literally. <laughs> so the ghost of Christopher Reeves now haunts. Oh, the- God. <laughs> no. Uh, Rebecca writes in, Growing up, I used to spend a lot of time at my cousin's house in San Jose, California. I'd always felt uneasy in her house, but didn't really understand why. I always felt like I was being watched. The nights I would sleep over, I could never sleep. 
I seemed to always be wide awake, and if I had to get up to go to the bathroom, I'd run with a sense of panic. As we got older, my cousin started noticing little things here and there that would uh, that she would mention to her mother. For example, when she'd be sitting on the couch home alone, she would see the figure of a woman standing in the hallway out of the corner of her eye. When she would take a second glance, the figure was gone. Her mother never doubted her because she, had, uh, she too had had similar experiences. She simply told my cousin that she's a positive ghost who watches over them. These regular visits from this woman never really seemed to bother my cousin or the rest of her family until one day when my cousin was cleaning her room. She was vacuuming with her back facing the desk where she did her homework. Earlier, she had pushed her books and magazines all the way up against the wall so she could clean her desk off. While she was vacuuming, she turned around and saw her books floating, then fly across the room. She panicked and ran to her mom to tell her what had happened. Later that night, when she went to her room to go to bed, her uh, origamis she had uh, hanging from her ceiling fan started slowly spinning. The fan was not moving, but the origamis were, and her window was closed. So there'd be no reason for them to start moving in such a way. After those instances, my cousin did not notice any more odd things happening. However, her mother did. Every night, her mother would read her book on the, uh, on the back porch and with the kitchen light on. She sat below the kitchen window outside, so the light from the kitchen would light up her book. Every night, a shadow would pass over, over her book. When she would turn to see who was in the kitchen, no one would be there. After it happening so regularly, she began to ignore it and became very used to it. Early one morning, she was sleeping and felt someone sit on the bed next to her and caress her face. Thinking it was her husband saying goodbye to her before he left for work, she opened her eyes to find the bed sunken down as if the weight from someone sitting on it was pushing it down. She quickly sat up and watched the bed fluff back up and then heard footsteps run down her hallway. After getting up out of bed, she quickly noticed she was the only one home. Looking back now that I'm older, I definitely think I sensed something in that house, but my cousin and her family almost were comforted by it most of the time. My aunt, my cousin's mom, eventually passed away and most of the activity stopped after that. My cousin and her family have since moved. I'm curious if the new homeowners have had any similar experiences. Just wanted to share some of my stories with you. Thanks for the show. I'll write back in with more another time. You know, it it's always curious to know if new owners have the same experiences, but sometimes I think it has to be just the right mix of you being able to pick up on things and whether or not they particularly want to show themselves to the new owners. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, it's one of those fine lines of how sensitive are the people? How much energy will it take to let these people see me? You know, I, I think it really depends on the ghost and uh, you know, what they want. It's kind of a recipe. Yeah. It, everything has to be exactly right or in, in the range to be correct for it to work. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't think it's going to happen. Very interesting story. Thanks for uh, for writing that in. 855-853-4802 is our number. Let's go to uh, Merwin in California. Hi. Hey, guys. This is Marwin from Southern California. I've been listening to your show for probably about a month now, and I got my uh, coworker into it also. Um, I'm just going to uh, give you a couple of stories uh, that my coworker uh, gave me, uh, personal stories. And um, this is... Uh, 
from her childhood home where uh, she grew up, and one of them was that uh, one day her uh, older brother was taking a shower, and while he was in the shower, he realized that uh, he had forgotten his towel. Um, so he hollered out uh, to his mom so she could bring him a towel. And he was taking a shower, and while he was taking a shower, someone kind of threw the towel, you know, um, over the uh, the railing for the curtain. So, uh, you know, that, that was great. He got his towel. And uh, my friend says that her brother got that the kind of like a inkling feeling, like an urge to kind of peep out to see uh, who had uh, given him the towel. So when he looked out uh, through the curtain, he saw his mom uh, with her back facing towards him. But when he looked down, her feet were actually uh, backwards. So if you can imagine, her feet were pointing towards him, but uh, the upper part of her torso was facing outwards towards the door. And that freaked him out. And then... I guess you could say his mom or whatever it was kind of walked out of the restroom. And at that point, he really freaked out. Um, he hollered out. His mom walks in. He tells his mom, hey, mom, uh, did you bring me uh, the towel right now? And his mom looks at him like he's crazy and tells him, like, no, you're crazy. I haven't brought you anything. So that's one story. That's definitely, if that would have happened to me, I would have definitely uh, gotten a heart attack. Uh, but uh, and then the second story is at that same house, but this one involves her father. So her father and her, my coworker's little sister and her father were watching TV one day in the living room. And, you know, it was late. It was about two in the morning. So her, you know, her sister was uh, knocked out and uh, her father, you know, decided to call it a night. So, you know, he turned off the TV. He uh, picked up my coworker's sister and walked her to her room opened the door to the room and laid her in bed and then proceeded to walk out. Well, when he walked out, as soon as he closed the door, he kind of heard a, a cry from the living room. So he went to the living room and um, when he went in the living room, you won't believe this, but uh, my coworker's sister was actually there in the living room. Long story short, um, he didn't know what, what, kind of being or what he had carried from the living room to the room, but he didn't care to investigate. Uh, my coworker told me that that night he got all the family and they uh, spent the night out at a motel. So that is actually pretty interesting. So, you know, you think you're carrying your daughter to your room, to her room, you walk out, uh, and then only to realize that your daughter is still in the living room. Uh, so it's kind of funny, uh, whatever he carried out. Uh, that's kind of weird because if it's something paranormal, which I'm assuming it is, I mean, I don't know how often you guys uh, have a story where, you know, someone physically feels or carries something, you know, but at least, you know, she, I mean, he didn't realize, he didn't see anything weird with her or notice anything funny about her. He just kind of realized it wasn't her as soon as he went to the living room and his daughter was still in there. All right, guys, uh, have a good one, and uh, I really like your show, and I'll probably call in more with uh, more stories, and, you know, I hope you use my story. This is Marwin again. All right, Marwin, thanks for calling in and uh, sharing your story with us. I think that strikes a chord, especially if you're a parent, because mm-hmm. we've all put our little one to bed or think that we have, uh-huh. and then you go back out and you see, no, and they didn't, the little stinker didn't get out of bed and run away. Uh-huh. They were not what you put in their bed. 
That would be very disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened in this case. I don't know how I would handle that, like mentally. (laughs) I'd be trying to figure out which one was the real one. Yeah. I, I think I would almost be like, I don't know that I would go paranormal with it immediately. I think I'd be like, honey, I need to like go to the hospital. Oh, really? <laughs> I think I would think I was having like some sort of mental breakdown. Oh. Wouldn't you? I mean, if, if that happened, would you immediately go paranormal or would you think there's something not clicking right here? If this wasn't our life, I would think sure. take me to the hospital. Yeah. But with all the stories and doppelgangers and everything we've sure. heard of, I would probably go paranormal first. It would it would certainly cross my mind. Mm-hmm. I would just be too paranoid that I would be thinking I was like having a stroke or something, and yeah. like I, there's something really weird, you know, not right going on. Something's not firing correctly. Uh-huh. But then if you go there and like, no, you're just fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Then I would be like, okay, well that was paranormal then. Yeah. But I think I would almost be like, I'm sitting down. I'm not moving. <laughs> it's like, get me to the hospital right now. <laughs> but that was a, that's a creepy story. Yeah, that, very much. That is very, very creepy. So thank you for uh, for calling in and sharing that with us. Our phone number is, you know, 855-853-4802. If you're a new listener to the show, we, uh, we welcome you and thank you for joining us. We do the show five nights a week for free. You can uh, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Dark Matter Radio, and all the other podcast apps out there that you can download the show from. Also on our website uh, at realghoststoriesonline.com, YouTube too. So that's a place that you can find us. There's no, no shortage in that. Um, and as a uh, thank you to the folks who help keep our show on the air, we call them EPPs. Those are extra podcast people. They're like our VIP club, if you will. They get uh, access to our exclusive archive of EPP bonus episodes, of which we do one a week. Right now, we are almost up to 30 of them. Yes. So when you become an EPP, you get all 30 bonus episodes, and these are packed with some of the best stories we get in, and they're only on the EPP episodes. So it's not repeats or anything like that. It is specific for the EPPs. Only five bucks a month is all we ask. And uh, you get all that access, all those bonus shows, and the satisfaction of knowing that you are keeping this show on the air. So if you like this show and you want it to continue into eternity, then uh, become an EPP and uh, support the show. And we greatly appreciate that because that helps us out quite a bit. Check it out on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com and become an EPP. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>